0: the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON20. You'll get 20% off your next order. Upcoming later in the show is the start of Built Bar March Madness. So stay tuned for that. All right, uh, happy Monday, everybody. Happy uh, Monday after the All-Star break. The Timberwolves aren't in action until this coming Thursday on the road at New Orleans. Um, so today's show, we're gonna do a quick recap of the, of the All-Star break, Festivities on Sunday, of course, all happening in one day this year instead of throughout the weekend. So we'll just quickly look at that. How my predictions from Friday show played out in the game on Sunday, and then we'll get onto some Timberwolves notes. A couple of rumors that are out there related to trade possibilities. My thoughts on those and, and what what we're seeing from various um, analysts and blogs from around the internet related to these rumors. And then we'll finish the show today by talking about the Iowa Wolves. They finished their play in the G League bubble, and they did go just 2-13 and 13 and were the league's worst team and, of course, are not in the playoffs in the G League bubble. But there were a couple of notable individual performances that I want to cover here on the show today. So that'll be today's program. And then upcoming tomorrow on Tuesday, I did a, a crossover episode with Matt Shook of Locked on Pistons. We talked about the Wolves and the Pistons, of course. And um, I want to play that back. So it'll be part of Tuesday's show as well. So you have that to look forward to. A quick reminder here off the top, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. That includes iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can also follow on Twitter at Wolves. That's at locked T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon. It's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and get right into the All Star festivities. So this year, everything happened on Sunday skills competition, three point competition, the dunk contest was a half the time of the game. My predictions on Friday for skills, I took Chris Paul with Sabonis as my runner up for the three point. Shootout, I took Booker or Levine, and then for the dunk contest, I took Cassius Stanley. Um, my predictions were pretty much a mixed bag, and and we'll go through those each real quickly here. So Chris Paul did advance the second round in the skills competition, but ultimately lost to Nikola Vucevic in the second round. Vucevic lost to Demona Sabonis in the finals. I picked Sabonis as my runner-up after Chris Paul, so I feel pretty good about how that one went down. Um and I and I I talked through my reasoning on Friday, but I thought Sabonis was kind of the right the right combination of skill set um combined with, you know, he's a young all-star. He's probably gonna try hard at this event, which is always a, a piece of it, is if, if guys are too casual, a lot of times it's the veterans um that that are. And so Demonis Sabonis uh won that one. And in a six player field, I feel pretty good about picking two guys that advanced past the first round and then the runner up my runner up ended up winning it. Um the three-point competition, obviously, Devin Booker did not compete. Uh, found out after I recorded the show, I guess it was late Thursday, I recorded Friday's show, that, that uh, Booker would not be participating in an all-star weekend. He originally was, the injury, was an injury replacement himself, but he's not playing at all, in the all or did not play in the all-star game or the three-point competition and was replaced. So my runner-up pick was Zach Levine. He was actually second to last of the six players in the first round, did not advance. And of course, the three-point competition was awesome. Uh, we got a final Mike Conley, who was the replacement for Booker in the, in both the game and the competition, the three point challenge um, Conley took Steph Curry, who had a monster first round to the finals and put up a strong score. Curry needed to make four of his last five shots in order to tie, but he missed one of the regular balls. And, and so that meant he had a chance to hit the money ball. If he missed it, he was going to lose. If he made it, he was going to win by one. Cause of course it's worth two points. He drained um, the last regular ball to get him within one, and then drain the money ball to to leapfrog Conley's total. And Curry won the three point competition. The last time he won it was back in 2015. Of course, he hasn't participated in several several editions of the three point competition. But um, Levine just couldn't get a rhythm going in the in the first round and didn't advance past there. Um, so I missed that one. The dunk contest I also I guess did did about as bad as I could have. The format this year was weird. There were only three co- competitors two advance to the finals, and then there was only one finals dunk for each competitor. Cassius Stanley had, you could argue, the best dunk of the night, but he somehow only got a 46 on it, or I, I'm sorry, a 44 on it, the first dunk of the night. And it, it should have been at least a 48, 49. I probably would have given it a 10 myself as a judge. Um, and, and Obi Toppin was great, as was Anthony Simons. And, and then what really killed... Um, Cassius Stanley was at his second dunk. He missed a couple of attempts and ended up doing something a little bit more simple than what he was trying to attempt and only got like a 37. So he did not advance to the finals. And then in the finals, um, the right dunker one, Anthony Simons had a, had a great night. He had the one in the first round where he grabbed the ball from up above the square, which is know, roughly 11 feet and dunked it through. He had the one where he almost kissed the rim, um, had a between the legs dunk in there, just a really strong performance for Simons. And he won, um, and uh and Toppin, you beat Toppen in the finals. So my picks, I, I guess really not that good now that I'm thinking back through this, considering that I picked I picked somebody who didn't advance in the three point contest and, and the one player who didn't advance in the dunk contest. But um and then the game itself, not really much to say about that. Um it it you know, was the score at halftime was hundred to eighty, the final was one seventy to one fifty. Um And Giannis was unbelievable. I guess that's obviously the headline is that he shot 16 of 16 from the field, including a banked in three pointer, scored 35 points. And of course he won MVP 35 and seven on 16 of 16 shooting, which were, I I guess, I mean, nine dunks and he still, um, you know, made three threes in this game. And obviously that's not Giannis's thing. So incredible game for Giannis. Um, I mean, there were a lot of guys with numbers, obviously Steph had 28 points, eight of 16 shooting threes. Doncic only had eight and eight, which was a little bit disappointing. Paul George had 17, made five threes. Um, LeBron only played 13 minutes in this game. Um, He's had been day to day all year with ankle soreness and didn't play in the, in the final game before the all-star break. So he only played 13 minutes, had four points, four assists. Um, And then um, Lillard was awesome. 32 points, eight made threes on 16 attempts. And then on the other side on team Durant, of course, team LeBron won going away in this one. Um, But Beal had 26 points, made six threes. James Harden had 21 points, made seven threes. Kyrie Irving had 24 and 12. Zach Levine had 13 points in his All-Star Game debut, which was awesome to see. Donovan Mitchell had 15 as well. Jason Tatum had 21 and seven. So um, obviously a ton of scoring, lots of threes, some nice dunks. Um, It's kind of what we've come to to know and uh, expect with the All-Star Game. It just didn't obviously feel the same with with the uh, the limitations that were put on this weekend and and all the hoops that were that needed to be jumped through in order to have the game. Of course, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid weren't able to participate because of the close COVID nineteen exposure, and so um, it, there was just kind of this a little bit of a damper um, on the uh, on the weekend, really on Sunday, I guess, and, and the fact that there wasn't an All Star Saturday night. I mean. Great that the league was able to pull this off. And outside of these close COVID exposures, you know, knock on wood, it seems like everything went off without a hitch otherwise. Um, But it just it felt a little more somber than the All-Star weekend typically does and and the milestone that it usually is. So that was disappointing. But um, overall, a fun few hours of basketball exhibition and, and now, you know, three days, I guess two days off for some teams. Games get back underway Wednesday, and the Wolves, of course, play Thursday. So um, that's behind us, and now everybody can look ahead to the trade deadline later this month, which, of course, we'll be talking about a lot here on the show, including next segment. That's what we'll talk about coming up next. First, though, let's talk about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Selection Sunday is now less than a week away, and there will be a number of ACC teams left out of the tournament. What went wrong in the ACC this season? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so let's talk about some Wolves notes. Um, I talked a little bit late last week about the Aaron Gordon... um, and the John Collins kind of persisting rumors that the Wolves have been in conversations with both the Magic and the Hawks at various times. Of course, the Aaron Gordon rumor goes back a year. I spent an entire segment talking about this, I think Friday show. Well, I, th- I believe it was Friday show about the the fit um, for either of those players. And I, I want to do that a little bit more because I the, both of those guys I think are pretty likely to be traded, not necessarily to the Timberwolves, but they're going to be in the news a bit more um, as as trade targets, whether it's the Wolves or somebody else. Um, and so real quickly, ESPN had a piece that published late last week that was titled, Five Big Trades We Want to See Happen at the 2021 Trade Deadline. It's an ESPN Plus article, so you need an insider or a plus subscription in order to access it. But this basically was a group of of ESPN insiders who wrote these trades. Um, the one that Bobby Marks submitted was a an Aaron Gordon trade to Minnesota. And so I want to read what the trade is that he suggested and, and what basically it would be. I'll read a couple excerpts here and then give my thoughts real quickly. Um, and basically the trade is the Wolves would get Aaron Gordon. They would send out Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez to Orlando the Charlotte Hornets would get Jake Lehman in a second round pick for their troubles um, just as a place to send some more salary. And it's a 2025 second round pick. So it's it's several years in the future. Um, so basically, Marks acknowledges that this trade is more about next year and not about this year because both Orlando and Minnesota are very unlikely to make the playoffs. Gordon gives the Wolves someone to put with Carl Anthony Towns on the front side, but it does put the Wolves into the luxury tax uh, for the second straight year and close to the tax already for next year. But remember, Gordon's on an expiring deal and is eligible for an extension. So what would Minnesota do? Would they try and extend him? Would they run the risk of losing him for nothing? Um, and all the while, punting on Jared Culver, who was just selected 18, 19, 20 months ago, whatever that was, by Gerson Rosas. Um, and so... This is basically the framework of what a trade like that would look like. I'm not sure that Orlando does it for this unless they think that they can get something out of Culver because you've still got one more year of Hernan Gomez before you can choose to not give him his third year player option. Um, And I suppose you take a wild card or you take a flyer on Culver and get out of Gordon's contract for next year. But I just don't know that that's enough to, to make sure that this happens. So I've talked a little bit about the fit with Gordon with the Timberwolves. And so I don't want to spend too much time on that right now, but basically it gives them a defender in the front court who can guard a couple of different positions. It gives them another playmaking option. Somebody who can rebound a little bit. He's not a very good outside shooter, which compounds an issue that the Wolves have continually had over the past few years, frankly, or, or even longer. Um, Which is why I've talked about John Collins as my preferred trade target. And you're going to have to pay Collins more sooner than you would with Gordon. I you know, I think you roll the dice on your defense, just continually getting a little bit better incrementally as they have this year. But an offensive team with John Collins and Carl Anthony Towns on the front court is more dynamic than one with Aaron Gordon offensively again. Um, so at any rate, that's out there. That's an ESPN article. If you want to read that and some of the other trades that are mentioned, the one other name that's been out there a little bit more recently and we saw this around the time of the draft. Apparently, on draft night, the Wolves had some discussions regarding this player, and that's Larry Nance Jr. Of course, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's in the second year of a four-year deal. So uh, it was a four-year deal, paying him just under forty-five million total over the four years. So you'd get two years beyond the rest of this year if you brought in Nance. He's friends with D'Angelo Russell, so there have apparently been some discussions. Uh, between the two of them about playing together. This latest report, by the way, is by, is by Chris uh, Fedor. Fedor, Chris Fedor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, reporting about Larry Nance's um, the interest in Nance, and not just the Wolves. He also lists Boston, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Miami, and Dallas as teams interested in Nance. Of course, all of those teams on varying levels are contenders. The Mavericks have disappointed. The Pelicans have, to some extent, as well. Actually, so have the Heat. Um, but. All five of those teams are, are teams that expected to be in the playoffs this year and probably will be when it's all said and done. Whereas the Wolves are a team that is has the league's worst record, have won just seven games to this point, are not going to make the playoffs this year and don't really know what they have um, outside of Towns and Russell. And, and with the two of them not really playing together at all either, they don't really know what they have with them. So the idea of Nance and a bouncy athletic defender who can um, fit next to Towns is exciting. And and I do think that Nance is a great fit with Cat. The question is, is he worth what he's getting paid? And what are you giving up to get Larry Nance? Um, You know, He's not a high usage guy. He's not somebody who's going to shoot a ton of threes, although he shot them much better the last couple of years. In fact, he's at 38% this year on a little over three attempts per game. And if he's good enough to add that dynamic to the Wolves offense, where he can step outside the arc and shoot threes if he needs to, I mean that's a nice player to have if you have somebody that can average nine and seven with a three point shot. Um, in, in some ways, it's it's what you want Jared Vanderbilt to to be, but with consistency and scoring touch, um, and also the ability to create a little bit. He's had a, a pretty solid assist rate over the past couple of years in Cleveland, and you know he's not a playmaker per se, and you, you'd actually like him to rebound a little bit better for a guy who would be your starting four, um, but he can do enough with the ball in his hands that adding that dynamic next to Towns is really attractive. And he's going to cost less, certainly less than a player like John Collins, probably less than Aaron Gordon uh, because the Cavs are in asset collection mode. Um, They're not going to be like, they're not likely to be able to trade Kevin Love and his deal. Um, I mean, they're trying to trade Andre Drummond. Nance is going to be the easiest guy to trade. And if they want to save some money and he's not, really a building block guy and more of a complimentary player, then it makes a ton of sense that he would ultimately be traded. So he is a name to for sure keep an eye on and is the type of player that the wolves are trying, you know, John Collins, the wolves would have to extend him. They're going to have to pay him close to max Aaron Gordon. You either get one year of Aaron Gordon or you, or you pay him to keep him, you know, you're going to pay him more than what Larry Nance is getting paid. So Nance is the guy you get, you know, you have two years of Larry Nance in his prime. You know, he's going to slide in between Towns and Russell. He's going to give you that athleticism, a little bit of an ability to stretch the floor, the defense, all of those things at a you know, cost certainty over the next two years without worrying about an extension yet. Um, and that's why he's an attractive trade target for the Wolves um, and certainly a name to keep an eye on here moving forward. Okay. I want to wrap by talking about the Iowa Wolves. And, and it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of names that we expected to to do some damage in the G League bubble that haven't necessarily, and a couple of surprising names um, who have shown out and might get an opportunity at the NBA level. And could it be with the Timberwolves this year? Remember, they have a two-way contract slot available and a spot on the active roster. So we're going to talk about the Iowa Wolves and names to keep an eye on here coming up next. But first, we have to talk about Built Bar Madness. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a long time now. Remember, it's, it's the protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar, and I swear by it. It is the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now, it's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness throughout the month of March. Today's matchup in Built Bar Madness is apple almond crisp versus churro puff, and also peanut butter brownie versus raspberry. So, Actually, I haven't had Churro Puff, but Apple Almond Crisp is delicious. So I would suggest that you vote for that unless you've had Churro Puff and you think it's fantastic. The other one's a little weird too. I'm actually allergic to peanut butter. So I have not had peanut butter brownie, but raspberry is delicious. So I'm going to say Apple Almond Crisp and raspberry are the two that I'm going to vote for today. However, I, you know, peeking ahead at the bracket, I have had. What? Uh, something like 10 out of the, or 11 out of the next 12 flavors I've tried. So I, I will be able to give a much better opinion as we move through this bracket. However, I would say go vote for Apple Almond Crisp, vote for Raspberry, get involved in Built Bar Madness. You can go to builtbar.com or to at built underscore bar on Twitter. That's at built underscore bar on Twitter. And you can vote. Also, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, prospects, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Okay. So let's talk about the G League bubble. The regular season portion of the bubble just wrapped up and the playoffs are about to start. The Iowa Wolves in closely following their big brothers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, were last in the league, just like the Minnesota Timberwolves are last in the NBA in record. The Iowa Wolves went a hideous 2-13 and 13 in the G League bubble and, of course, will not be participating in the playoffs as part of the G League bubble. Um, I, I mean, let's talk through the roster real quick. the The best player on the team was Tyler Cook. He played in just eight games. Remember, Tyler Cook was in training camp with the Timberwolves. Last year, he was on a a 10-day contract, actually two 10-day contracts with the Cavs, and was traded in the G League from the Canton Charge to the Oklahoma City Blue G League team. And then he signed a two-way deal with the Denver Nuggets and appeared in 13 games in the NBA with the Nuggets and played in the bubble with Denver. Um, So he's a guy who had pretty, I mean, not extensive, but total, um, you know, I get Sorry, he didn't play 13 games with Denver. He played 13 games total between Denver and Cleveland, but he did play in the bubble with the Nuggets and 13 games of experience last year in the NBA. Um, pretty solid. Training camp performance was good. He got into a preseason game with the Timberwolves. Minnesota brought him back with the G League team, um, the Iowa Wolves. And after eight games in the G League, Cook was signed away by the Brooklyn Nets, who signed him to a 10-day deal. And his... Eight games with the Iowa Wolves. Cook led the team in scoring. He averaged 20.8 points and 9.6 rebounds per game and shot just a hair under 60% from the field. He's an undersized big, 6'8", but he's got a seven-foot wingspan, athletic, can guard multiple positions, kind of an energy def- defender type guy without much range on his jumper, um, but effective around the rim. And he was signed away by the Nets and is, is playing now with Brooklyn. So he's gone. He's not an option, but would have been. For the Timberwolves. Um, Of course, the Wolves are a little short in the front court as well. So, other names on the Iowa Wolves roster in the G League that may be familiar to Timberwolves fans Alonzo Trier, we talked about him on the podcast a couple months ago now, but he was selected in the first round, fourth overall by the Iowa Wolves in the G League draft this year. He played in 88 games over the past two seasons with the Knicks and scored a little bit at the NBA level. He's kind of an isolation scorer, has a nice step back jumper. Um, And sure enough, in the G League bubble, he opened with a bang. He scored 26 points on just 16 shots in his first game. He scored 17 or more points in four of his first five performances. But then he had a couple of of games where he only played 10, 11 minutes. He scored only 17 points total over his last four games, again, after scoring 17 or, or more in four of his first five games. And he didn't play in the last few games for the Wolves. He finished averaging 12 points just over four rebounds and three assists a game on 39% shooting and only 24% from three-point range. So Trier had a disappointing bubble. I'd be surprised if the Wolves brought him to Minnesota for a look. Another name that may be familiar to Wolves fans is Lindell Wigginton, the former Iowa State guard. He's a Canadian who played with Andrew Wiggins on the national team, and there's some familiarity with Brian Gates, a Wolves assistant. Um, He's been in training camp with the Wolves the last couple of seasons, was on an Exhibit 10 deal last year, which is basically a preferred player at the G League level with the Iowa Wolves and scored a lot. He averaged over 17 points a game, uh, was the leading scorer outside of Cook before Cook left the team. Uh, Wiginton also had 5.2 assists per game and 4.1 rebounds per game, but he's only six foot one. He's kind of an undersized shooting guard more than he is a true point guard and only shot 43% from the field and 31% from three. So Wiginton probably isn't realistic NBA option moving forward. It wouldn't be a shock to see him stick around with the Iowa Wolves even into next year, but hopefully he gets an opportunity with someone else. I just don't think it's Minnesota this year. Um, and let me preface this next part by mentioning the Wolves do have an active roster spot available and a two-way roster spot. Um, after the waving of Ashton Haggins earlier this year, the Wolves have, have space to add somebody. And so Anybody that performed well in the G League, you would think would have a leg up on, a, on a, any other street free agent. I do think it's likely the Wolves are leaving a spot open um, in the event of a trade. And remember, the deadline is still a couple, two and a half weeks away. So I would be a little surprised that the Wolves brought somebody in before then. But these are all names to watch post-trade deadline in late March. Um, first, we have to talk about Canyon Berry. Of course, the son of Rick Berry. He's the younger brother of Brent Berry, Drew Berry, John Berry, all NBA players. And, um, I mean, he pretty clearly was the wolves best player in the G league bubble, not named Tyler cook. Barry is another guy who's been around for a while. If you've watched Las Vegas summer league, he's been playing for the wolves in summer league since 2018. I guess there wasn't a 20 summer league, but he played there in 18 and 19 with the wolves summer league team. He was on an exhibit 10 deal in 2018 and played with the Iowa wolves. And this was his third season playing for the Iowa wolves. He, um, Played 27 minutes a game in the bubble, averaged just under 13 points a game, shot 48% from the field, 42% from deep. He continues to shoot under free, underhanded free throws, granny style, like his dad did. And he knocked down all 21 of his free throw attempts in the bubble this year. So, um, Barry continues to, to, I guess, really improve. He's always been a pretty good shooter. He's six, six with a six foot 10 wingspan and he's athletic enough to be in the league. Um, but it's just kind of the, the other stuff. I mean, he's kind of more of a spot up shooter, doesn't do a ton on the glass, doesn't create, doesn't uh, create for himself off the bounce, doesn't create for teammates. He's just kind of a, a big guy who's an okay defender and a good shooter. But there's a lot of guys like that. So I don't know that he's a realistic option for the Wolves to add to their roster anytime soon. But he's a good story. I mean, he's 27 and, and he's still playing hard in the G League and had a really nice run over the last 15 games or so. I think the name to watch, if you're going to pick anybody, off of this roster is Charlie Brown Jr. Talked about him a little bit around training camp. He was a training camp, camp invitee for the Timberwolves this year. He was an Atlanta Hawks two-way player, I think last season. And the, the knock on him has been his shooting consistency. He wasn't great shooting in college. He wasn't great shooting in the G League. Shot only 42% with the Hawks G League team um, last year, 26.8% from deep. And then he appeared in 10 games with the Atlanta Hawks, but he can play make a little bit. He's big. He can be a defender, a multi-positional defender. And uh, on the wing, he's he's really kind of a three that should be able to guard some twos and maybe some fours. In 13 games played in the G League bubble, he started 12. He averaged 12 and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game, but his shooting numbers were pretty good. He shot 44.7% from the field, 35.5% from deep and 82% from the free throw line. He's probably. I mean, he's not going to be a guy to round out the active roster, but could he be a two-way player? The Wolves could keep on speed dial in the event that they do trade a Jerick Culver, or if they do trade a Josh Kogi, or if they move on from a Jalen Noel. Um, if any of those moves are made, then Brown's the type of guy with a little bit of offensive upside that can step in and play some defense now, which is what they the Wolves need now. The caveat here is shooting being his bugaboo. That's the Timberwolves bugaboo as a team. And so do they want to bring somebody in that's a questionable shooter? It's pretty low risk on a two-way. And he seems to be like, you know if he's going to be a good defender and do some other things well, he's probably worth a flyer and, and they're familiar with him as well. So Charlie Brown Jr. to me would be the name to watch moving forward if the Wolves were to bring anybody in from the G League bubble. Um, of course, Tyler Cook's only on a 10-day with the Brooklyn Nets. So if they were to let him go at any point, he's another name that the Wolves could bring back in. Although at this point, I, w- I would still think that Brown is probably the better fit for the current roster. Again, especially if they end up moving on from one of the wings currently on the team, whether it's Kogie or Culver or somebody else. Um, all right, otherwise, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Of course, I mentioned on Tuesday, I'll have I'll play part of the conversation from Matt Shook at Locked on Pistons and myself talking about the Pistons season so far. And he asked me a few questions about the Wolves and uh, the second half, schedule, you know, is there hope for the wolves moving down the, the, down the stretch of the second half to get out of the worst record in the NBA. Of course, the Pistons are only three games ahead of the wolves in the race for the worst record, or I should say three games behind. They, they have a, They've won 10 games, the Wolves have won seven through the first half. So the Pistons, of course, would love to lose more games, or at least their fans would love to lose more games than Minnesota, so they have the leg up on some lottery odds. Um, of course, as as listeners to this podcast will know, the Wolves won't get their pick this year if it doesn't land in the top three when the lottery... Is completed. So, um, anyways, we have a lottery-focused conversation. You know the the, the second half of the season, etc. So, be sure to tune into Tuesday's show. Otherwise, that's all we have for you here today at Locked On Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to Locked On Wolves anywhere you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T or at B Beacon. It's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. And once again, today's episode was brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On 20. You'll get 20% off your next order. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.